Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We're going to continue studying um, Jesus' prayer. We are intentionally in a season of prayer in Scripture. I think the Lord in this season, in, in asking us to spend these 30 days in, in this time of prayer and scripture, has done this intentionally to be able to speak to every one of us. And so a couple of weeks ago, we began looking at Jesus' prayer, which we would say is the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And I want to ask if you would to turn over to Matthew chapter 6, and then we're going to turn back um, in in the scripture to Matthew chapter 4. But we're going to kind of hang out here as Jesus has just launched his public ministry. And so as we gathered a couple of weeks ago, we began looking at the Lord's Prayer. And we, we kind of stuck at those first two words, our Father, and what that means to us and how really the Lord Jesus, in, in praying this, is inviting us into the unity to be joined together with the word our Father and how he united all of us in just those two words. And then it says, who art in heaven... I'm sorry, I'm quoting the King James Version. I had to memorize King James when I was growing up, and it's hard for me to now say it in any other translation. But uh, here, here um, from what I read in now is the NIV, but it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we could talk about all the hallowed, what that means, and how our job is to worship the Lord, and our job is to lift him higher than any other. And I don't want to focus there this morning, because I think that we have a little understanding of that. But the next phrase is where I want us to focus this morning. Just three words, and they're three words that we pray, and sometimes we skip over. It's just three simple words. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come. Have you ever wondered what those words actually meant? What, what was Jesus actually praying for when he said, your kingdom come? Now, Jesus is modeling prayer for us here. And what Jesus has said before he prayed this prayer to those that he was preaching to, he's, he said, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to pray in this model, or I want you to pray in this example. I want you to include these things in your prayer. And so here Jesus prayed, your kingdom come at the beginning of his ministry and i don't think that that is insignificant that when jesus is launching his ministry and he's just beginning here to do some teaching and we could go back and look at as jesus is giving this sermon here his his first big sermon here to everybody he's saying i want you to pray and he prays specifically about the kingdom god's kingdom to come here on earth Because what Jesus prayed in these three words here really was a central message that formed the basis for all of the rest of his ministry and his teachings. It would be easy for us in the routine of memorization of Scripture to just get these words and pray over these words and think, oh, that's a nice prayer that Jesus prayed, and then to not properly understand what it was that Jesus was praying about. 
When Jesus prayed, your kingdom come to God, he was praying very powerful words that we must understand that was central not only to who Jesus was here on the earth, but it was significant for us in 2021 as well. Your kingdom come. What does your kingdom come mean? Why would Jesus pray, your kingdom come? And why, is those word, why are those words, your kingdom come, significant for us today? Would you turn back to Matthew chapter 4, just a page or a page or two back to the left side. Here in Matthew chapter 4, I want to read towards the end of this, some of Jesus' words after he began his first sermon. Jesus had just been baptized. The Holy Spirit descended upon him, and God's voice actually spoke over Jesus at the launch of his ministry after about three decades here on the earth. Jesus then goes off, and he spends about 40 days, and in these 40 days, Jesus is tempted and actually faces the devil face-to-face. And Jesus quoted scripture to remind the devil, Satan, that he was already defeated and the power was in the word of God. After that temptation, Jesus comes out and Matthew tells us that he began to preach. It's interesting that in Matthew chapter 4 verse 11 to me, it says, Then the devil, the enemy, left him. And it says, Angels came and attended to him. And then Jesus comes, gathers a crowd, and begins to preach his sermon. In verse 17, this is what, just, I just want to read one verse here, just to link it to the significance of these words that Jesus then prayed. In verse 17 of Matthew chapter 4, this is what Matthew says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And this is what he began to preach. Listen. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, when he first began to preach, said, I want you to repent. Why do you need to repent? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. And then when he prayed, what did he pray? Your kingdom come. Do you know in the book of Matthew, 29 times, 29 times, God's kingdom is referenced, just in the book of Matthew alone. Do you know in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God, in, in those words, it's not mentioned. It's not mentioned. You can't find. We can, we can see what God is doing in his people. We can see what's happening, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's not mentioned in the Old Testament. But then you get to Matthew, and Jesus begins to preach and Matthew says from that moment on, he began to preach that we should repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. And then when Jesus said, I want you to learn how to pray, gather around me and I want to tell you how you need to be praying to the Father. What did he pray? Your kingdom come. Do you think the kingdom might be significant if Matthew says that Jesus began to preach about the kingdom over and over and over. 29 times in the book of Matthew alone, we hear about the kingdom. And then when Jesus begins to pray, he prays, your kingdom come. The kingdom is significant. We need to know about the kingdom. 
We need to understand how this kingdom operates here on the earth. And to be honest with you, we need to understand if we're a part of the kingdom and the kingdom is now or if the kingdom is going to be something in the future. I want you to hear me when I say this. And I don't want to get into a bunch of end times theology and I don't want to, I don't want to wrestle and I don't want to debate about that. Jesus is not going to come back and then establish a kingdom. Hear me. The kingdom of God is right now. The kingdom of God is right now. God is right here, and he won. What was the purpose of the cross and the empty tomb if the kingdom of God is not right now? Because what was the kingdom that the enemy brought into the world? It was sin. And what were the consequences of that sin? It was a physical death here on the earth. But Jesus came to defeat the kingdom of the enemy by launching God's kingdom right here, right now. And he took away the consequences of sin with his own blood, and he, he took away sin with his own blood, and then the consequences of sin when he defeated death and he walked out of the tomb. And he established the kingdom of God now. Hear me, you as a child of God have access to the full resources of God's kingdom now. You don't have to wait for something in the future. You don't have to look for what's going to come in a kingdom. You can step into and participate in the kingdom that Jesus prayed for and he preached about. The reason that Jesus came was to defeat the enemy's kingdom, and he did that on the cross and through the empty tomb. You are a part of the kingdom of God if you walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. So what about this kingdom? What is it that is about this kingdom? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, again, right where we were reading when Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, and then you get after that, and what does Jesus say? He's teaching his sermon here, his first sermon where he's preaching to the crowd, and Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now, why is it that Jesus would say, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is something way thousands of years in the future. No, Jesus is telling the people to follow him, I have come God in the flesh, and that was the message of the Holy Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit, when he ascended on Jesus as a dove, and when God actually spoke the words, he revealed to those around that this was God in the flesh. And then Jesus came, Matthew says, in, in chapter 4, that he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is near. He prayed, I want your kingdom to come here on the earth. And then he tells the people, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus would never tell them to seek something unless they could obtain that. Because those people that he was saying seek were the same ones that were going to see him crucified in just a few short years and then rise up and defeat the consequences of sin and death. And so he said, this is what I want for you guys to do as those who are interested in what God came in the flesh to do. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. 
Instead of seeking the kingdoms of this world for a few thousand years when Satan had ruled and Satan had worked so hard to defeat the work that God had done, Jesus said, I'm going to fix all of that. I'm going to destroy the works of the enemy and I'm going to take back any power that he has through sin and through death. And that's the power that we have access to as a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was central to Jesus' message. Let me give you some scriptures. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Again, Mark here confirming what Jesus was doing in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about the cities and villages, hearing this, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the kingdom of God. The new kingdom that he came to establish while he was here on the earth was what Jesus was talking about and preaching about. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 42, Jesus' words here, I must preach the kingdom of God. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Do you hear what Jesus is preaching about? And do you catch the significance, the importance of what Jesus is saying, not only to them, but to us today here in 2021? The kingdom of God has been taken back. God now has established his kingdom with all of the powers of heaven right here on the earth. Now let that sink in. And let the importance of what that, all that that means sink in to our fleshly minds of the work that God is doing right now on the earth. If you remember what the Jews were looking for whenever Jesus came to the earth, they were ready for a king, a fleshly king, in the way that King David and the other kings had ruled. They were ready for God to come in the flesh and to establish a physical rule here on the earth so that Jesus would actually sit on a throne and he would reign and he would rule. But Jesus didn't come like that. He didn't come in the boldness and the force that he could have come with to establish his kingship here on the earth. Instead, he came as a small little baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. We didn't see this amazing fanfare part the entire skies and trumpets announce it so that everyone would be able to hear that God has come in the flesh to take back the kingdom that the enemy tried to steal. Instead, Jesus came into the earth not with all of the pomp and circumstance and the fanfare that I would imagine a king would come into the earth with, but instead he came meek, he came very humble, and came to launch his kingdom. And then, whenever they were ready for Jesus, the Jews were ready for Jesus to actually take his kingdom and to set up an earthly rule They were proclaiming and waving the branches, and we're ready, we're ready, we're ready for Jesus. We're ready for this kingdom to be established right here, and God is going to sit on a throne right now. And it didn't happen the way that they wanted it to. It didn't happen because they were ready for this physical place for Jesus to sit in. 
And that's why they killed him. Because he didn't do it the way that they wanted it to be done. So then that's, the Jews were upset. The Gentiles were upset because they wanted this kingdom established with some amazing wisdom and some amazing knowledge. And they thought the way to have access to this kingdom that God was supposed to set up was to do it through your intellect. And they were upset. Nobody liked the way that God was coming to establish his kingdom. And you know that that is still true right here today, a couple of thousand years later. People are upset and they're waiting for this or they're waiting for that. And they think that Jesus is going to come do this and Jesus is going to come do that when we miss that he's already done it spiritually right here in our presence. So hear me when I say this. The kingdom of God is here. It is active. It is right now. And it was achieved by the way of the cross and the empty tomb. The offer for you is are you going to be active in the kingdom of God? The, the, choice is, the choice is up to us. It's not about coming to church and then going out and letting our light shine. That's a piece of it. That's a small piece of it. Jesus in this sermon also said, you're the salt of the earth, and I want you to let your light shine. And so that's a small piece of it. It's not about us going through the routines that we actually have in our life. That's, that's a small piece of it. But the access that we have to the kingdom as his children is far greater than anything that we could ever begin to imagine with our own mind. And then when we fast forward and we see Paul's writings to the church, he reminds us that we are not fighting, in the book of Ephesians, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. And we think that our problem here on the earth are our political rulers or our, our, our president, our Congress, um, our, the Supreme Court, and we're fighting about all of this stuff on, 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 on who it is that's governing us, and we're fighting about this country, and we're fighting about that country, and we're missing the kingdom of God because just like the Jews and just like the Gentiles of the day when Jesus was here, we're looking for all of this other stuff to save us, and what Jesus wants to say to us is just stop worrying about all of that other stuff and start being active and participating in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is here the kingdom of God is now and you have access to that and if we think that our government is going to save us and be able to establish the rules and the laws that we need then we've missed the purpose of the kingdom of God because oh it got quiet when I said that I see what you were wrestling with last week, Morgan. Yeah, I, I, I catch it. Because Jesus didn't worry about Caesar. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Because Caesar wasn't a part of the kingdom. And Jesus said, I have come to preach the kingdom. I have come to take back the things that hell has stolen. Jesus could have come and he could have ruled in the way that our government rules, but he chose not to do that. He said, if you want that, then you go wrestle with that. If you worry about what happens in the ballot box more than what you worry about what happens in the kingdom of God every other day that you're not in the ballot box, then you are no different from the ones that crucified Jesus and you have missed the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom is now. 
The kingdom is here, and the kingdom is available for you to participate and access fully in the way that Jesus intended for all of us to be able to access the kingdom. In, in, um, in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 32 and 33, catch this. This is what Jesus said. But when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. Here Jesus is giving us a little bit of insight into the kingdom. And here Jesus is saying, this is available to you. After I be lifted up on the cross. He's, he's not saying it's all about our worship. Our worship is significant. And we have mistaken what Jesus was saying in this verse. By saying, when we lift him up and we praise his name, that then he's going to do this work. No, Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth on a cross, I'm going to begin to draw all men unto myself. Because what Jesus was really saying is in the next sentence. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. We have, we have missed the work that God wants us to do in the kingdom of God. When we say, I'm all about building the kingdom, we say that sometimes in the church. What are you about? We want to make ourselves feel spiritual. I'm all about building the kingdom. I'm just doing this to build the kingdom. Well, let me tell you, it's not your kingdom to build. It's his kingdom. And Jesus said, when he is lifted up, he's going to do the work of the kingdom. So you don't have to worry about building the kingdom. He came to establish it and build it. He uses us in the kingdom to take back the things that hell has stolen from the kingdom, which came through sin, and then as a result of that, which was death. And Jesus defeated those things. The worst thing that could happen to us through sin was death. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. When you're a part of the kingdom, those things don't matter to you. Because Jesus said in John 14, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And this is how we know that his kingdom is not going to be established here on the earth. Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If Jesus is going away to, if he's going away to prepare a place for us, why do I want to stay here? I'm not worried about what's happening to this earth. I'm going where Jesus prepared a place for me. Because he defeated sin and he defeated death. I don't care about this earth because I'm a part of his kingdom. I'm in his kingdom now. Sin has been defeated. I'm not, I don't have to fall prey to death. This earthly body is, but I don't care about this earthly body. This earthly body is going to fade away with this earth. And I'm going to forever be where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. So that the kingdom of God is reigning and ruling now and is able to carry me to the kingdom that he is in and operating in right now in the heavenly realm. It's a very real spiritual kingdom that Jesus was praying about when he said, your kingdom come. It was fulfilled on the cross. It's been fulfilled with the empty tomb, and the kingdom of God is right here, right now, and Jesus has invited you into this kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul, writing to the church, said, But we preach Christ crucified. Why would we, why would we preach Christ crucified? Why do we need to preach Christ crucified? 
Because when he was crucified, the kingdom was established. So much so that in the temple, the veil that separated us from the, pre- the separated flesh, mankind, from the actual presence of God was ripped in two. And Paul is saying, we're preaching Christ crucified because when we preach Christ crucified, we go back to Matthew chapter 4 and we get the words of Jesus and when he said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent for the kingdom of God is nigh. Repent because now, because we're preaching Christ crucified, we're inviting people into the kingdom where the veil of the temple was torn in two and we have access to the king of the kingdom. We preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and a foolishness to Gentiles because the Jews wanted an earthly kingdom. They wanted Jesus to set up and actually set on a throne. And to the Gentiles that wanted Jesus' kingdom to give them knowledge, to give them wisdom so that they would then have access. Kind of really like what Adam and Eve were wanting, is to have a little bit of knowledge in the beginning. And Paul says, all of that is foolishness. It is a stumbling block. And that's why we preach Christ crucified. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus' mission was to proclaim the kingdom of God on earth. And we, the church, are a result of that kingdom. For those of us, and we've taught this in the church of God for forever, since since our founding, Those of us that are a part of the church are a part of the kingdom of God. We can't put you in the kingdom, and we can't take you out of the kingdom. Because as he was lifted up on the cross, he's the one that paid for you to have access to the kingdom. He's the one that tore the veil of the temple in two, so that God's presence could rest with us, and we would be able to operate in the kingdom of God. Jesus has invited you into the kingdom and has given you full access and full privilege as a part of being, or, uh, because you are a part of the church. So again, I ask you this morning, as you begin to pray Jesus' words, your kingdom come, understand the significance and the importance of those, two, of those three words. Your kingdom come. I want to challenge you this week to include those three words in your prayer. Your kingdom come. So the question that I think we have to ask is, if his kingdom has already come, if his kingdom has already been established, and if we have access to his kingdom now, right here, living in 2021, as a part of the church, being in relationship with God as our Father, accepting the sin payment that Jesus paid for every single one of us, where he rescued us from the kingdom of the enemy by paying for our sin debt. Why would we start to pray now, your kingdom come, if the kingdom's already come? I'll tell you why. Because too many times in the church, we miss it. Too many times we miss it. And we walk around living defeated lives, asking God to have pity on us, and asking God to rescue us from the messes that we're in. Have you ever seen the people that are around royalty? They just have a different walk about them. They just have a different sense about them. There's been a lot of talk over the past couple years, for whatever reason, about the British monarchy 
and the king and the queen and the prince and the princes and the princesses and and I don't know however far else it goes down because I don't understand all of that. But there's been, a, there's been a whole lot of talk about that. We see it on the news. Our news media has played the weddings. They talk about the birth of all of these kids because there's just a different way that they operate. And there's just a different way that they walk. They just have this air about them because they're a part of royalty. Now hear me, church. We should have a higher air about us because we're in a higher kingdom than the kingdom that they're a part of in England. And we can know the king. And we can have conversation with the king. Because the king lives inside of us. And we actually become the temple of the king. And so everywhere that you go, this is why Jesus came to establish his kingdom now. Everywhere that you go, you are carrying the kingdom with you as long as you're in relationship with Jesus Christ and He is your King. You are the kingdom. And God is ready for you to stand up with all of the authority of the King and to operate in His kingdom now. And let me tell you, until we do this as a church, we're always going to be living defeated lives. And we're always going to be walking around, and we're always going to be moping, we're always going to feel downhearted, and we're always going to feel as if we've, we're, we're uh, of no value. But when you know that the kingdom of God is inside of you, and wherever you go, you carry the kingdom with you, that gives you a different reason for getting up every single day, and being able to be the person that God created you to be. Because you are the kingdom. So this week, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. So let me share one scripture with you, and then I'll get to this. John chapter 12, verse 25 and 26. The man who loves his life will lose it. So if you want to keep living your defeated life, and you want to keep moping about and, 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 and complaining and all, you want to keep doing that, keep on doing that. Because Jesus said, if you love that, you're going to lose your life. But let's keep reading. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now we think, when we read this verse, we think, man, Jesus is just harsh, isn't he? I can't believe that Jesus would say this when he was here. You've got to hate your life so that you can actually have eternal life. Well, here's what Jesus meant. You have to hate being outside of the kingdom to come inside of the kingdom and walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. So what Jesus is actually saying here is, hate living separated from God. If you love that, keep on living that. Because you're going to lose your life if you're living outside of the kingdom. But what Jesus is saying, now he came and he preached, repent for the kingdom of God is here. He says, if you want to exchange that life for kingdom life, hate the old way and step into the kingdom. Step into the authority that God wants you to have as, a, as his children, as a part of the kingdom, where God comes and you become the temple of the Holy Spirit and you take his kingdom wherever you go. Sin's defeated. The consequences of sin defeated. It was the grave. So if the enemy kills me, who cares? The enemy kills me. I'm going to take John 14 and go live where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. You can't kill me down here. 
because I'm going to have eternal life. That's what Jesus is saying here in John 12, verse 25. He goes on to say, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus here, even here, is giving an invitation to the kingdom. So here's what I want to ask you to do. As you pray this week, I want you to pray these words. Your kingdom come. Pray, your kingdom come. I've shared with you why we need to pray that. Because the kingdom of this earth, the kingdom of the enemy, still has a lot of ground that the kingdom of heaven needs to go and, 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 go and take back, repossess it, to, to take control of it for God himself. So pray, your kingdom come. Now, if you don't believe me that the kingdom of the earth, the kingdom of the enemy, has a lot of ground that we need to go and take back for the king, all you have to do is drive around the church. Drive in some of the neighborhoods around the church. Drive up US 1. Go up a few blocks and turn left. Go up a few more blocks and turn left. And what you see operating is the kingdom of the earth. Now hear me. I am not content sitting here at 1730 South Ridgewood in South Daytona and knowing that the kingdom of the enemy is operating within a few blocks of this place. Because as a part of the kingdom of God, I cannot pray your kingdom come and drive by these people and say, oh, I'm just going to pray for them. No, you have to get out of where you're at and get into the places where the enemy is operating. I'm not worried about my own life because I've got eternal life. And whatever you do to this flesh is only going to matter for a short period of time. When we pray your kingdom come, your kingdom come, what that means is we get out of where we're at and we go to where hell is operating and we take back the kingdom of this earth and bring it into the kingdom of God. We can't pray your kingdom come and let the kingdom of the enemies keep winning ground. That's why Jesus established the kingdom now and we're not looking for his future kingdom. It's now, it's here, and we're taking it back. Second, I want to ask you to pray for God to show you his kingdom. Kingdom of God is not just operating in these walls on Sunday morning. There's a lot of kingdom out there that we've got to partner with. And a part of what I believe God has shared with his dreams for us as a congregation, and us operating in unity, is we become so unified as an army. I've shared that what God has shared with me about his dreams for us is that we operate in unity as an army it's because we're going to go see his kingdom, join with his kingdom, and then advance on the kingdom of this earth. It's a part of what Peter received from the Lord when he was actually given the keys to the kingdom. Well, how could he be given the keys to the kingdom if the kingdom wasn't now? You have to reconcile that in your mind. You think Peter physically is going to be given some keys to a kingdom? It's not going to be around for a few thousand more years? Uh-uh. Because it's a spiritual kingdom, and it's right now. So we've got to pray, your kingdom come, so that we pray that we advance on the kingdoms of this earth, because we've got the keys. And then we've got to pray for God to show us his kingdom, so that we can partner with others to take back, as an army, to take back the things that hell has stolen. And third, and I want you to pray this fervently, and I mean very, very, very seriously. Pray, God, 
help me walk in your kingdom. Help me walk in your kingdom. Because you know what I see happening sometimes in our lives? We want to be in the kingdom, and then we want to step out of the kingdom. We want to be in the kingdom, and we're okay today in the kingdom, but tomorrow we're going to step out of the kingdom. And then I'm going to come back to the kingdom, and I'm going to get a little bit of the kingdom, and then I'm going to step out of the kingdom. You have to diligently pray, God, keep me walking in your kingdom. Because as we walk in his kingdom with the full authority and the full, of, and the full power that the king has given to us, we begin to see this world a little different. We begin to face the day a little bit different. Because we begin to have the kingdom mindset that is needed to live victorious lives right here and right now. So how is it that we live in the kingdom? I believe it's first in your time with God praying these three things. And then I encourage you to go back and take a look at Jesus' sermon here in Matthew chapter 5. He started out by saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he went on to tell us what kingdom living actually looked like. And here's, here's the first thing he did after he called his disciples and he's launching this kingdom. You know what he did? He healed the sick. Why? Because that's a part of the kingdom. That's a part of the kingdom. Because sickness can't control this body. And I'm not saying that we constantly walk over sicknesses in this earth. I'm just saying that even though we might have a sickness, the sickness doesn't control me. God controls me. And if he uses a sickness to get me into his eternal kingdom in heaven, I'm good with that. But then after Jesus began to heal the sick, he began to preach on what it means and how we live in the kingdom. He gave us the Beatitudes. He told us that we are salt of the earth. He told us that we are the light, his light. He told us about murder. He told us about adultery. He told us about divorce. He told us about swearing. He told us how to love our enemies. He told us how to give to the needy. He told us how to pray. He told us how to fast. He told us don't, don't store up treasures here on the earth, but instead store up our treasures in heaven. He told us that we should not worry. He told us that we should not love. He said we should ask, we should seek, and knock for those things that we don't have. He gave us the golden rule. He told us about how wise the path is that leads to destruction, but yet the road to the eternal kingdom is very narrow. He told us about foolish builders. He told us about the fruit that we actually need to possess. And then he went on to healing people again. Jesus prayed and he said, thy kingdom come. Jesus announced Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And then he told us what it means to live in the kingdom. So this week, I encourage you to pray these three things with God as you sit with him. Write them down in your journal. And then as you say, God, show me your kingdom, don't just write that and leave it there, but begin to write things down and say, I kind of think this is, this is what it is, God, that you're showing me that it means to be a part of your kingdom. And have this conversation with the king that has invited you into his kingdom. Here's where we have to be, Whitechapel Church. We have to be kingdom-minded people. And stop Hear me when I say this. We have to stop worrying about building the kingdom because he's already built it. Just start operating as kingdom people. 
Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.